0: Welcome to Screen Thoughts with Hollister and O'Toole. Hey, O'Toole. Hey there, Hollister. Okay, we're going to the networks
1: today. Yay! We are. Or maybe not. (laughs) Three network shows have been recommended to us by our listeners.
0: I know. Well, here's what we're
1: going to do. Before we get
0: to, by the way, um, The Catch and Real O'Neals and Crowded, Uh, I just did want to talk a little bit about last week's podcast. My name is Doris. Hello, my name is Doris. Okay. A couple who are friends of mine, uh, after listening to our podcast, ran off to see the movie. They were so excited. They thought it was going to be great. And Mm -hmm. they came out, and unfortunately, they said that I should stay away from them for a while, because... Oh, no! I I know, right? I I know, I know, I know, what can I say? So, I sent an email this morning to him, uh, my friend Bob, and he said, and I said... About something he emailed me, thank you, sir, even though you hated the movie that I loved, and I put sigh in parentheses, and his answer was, my ex-wife, the mother of my children, the grandmother of my grandchildren, is a hoarder, Oh no. and when my ex-wife was younger, people told her she looked like Sally Field, otherwise, a pleasant afternoon at the theater.
1: Oh, no. Otherwise, Mr. Lincoln, how is the play?
0: I think it's Mrs. Lincoln, but. Oh, <laughs> Sally Mr. Lincoln, Field, right, you yeah, are. Yeah, Mr. Lincoln right was are. dead when that comment came out. But, um, all right, first of all, in all seriousness, neither O'Toole nor I think hoarding is anything other than a very serious issue that the world is facing. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, I, you know,
1: I did really like the movie. So. I just, from the trailer, I didn't see the hoarding coming. There was a tone of. Death of a salesman when, when I was expecting Harold and Maude. <laughs> <laughs> what can I say? Yeah. Well, Hollister, I got an email from Ed okay. in Florida, and I wanted to share that with you. Okay. Okay. Ed says, quote, You have to see ex machina, a chilling, thought-provoking, existential romp through what it means to be one human and two female. Note the distinction. It is timely, ahead of its time, relevant, insightful, and horrific. Oh, yes, and it's already happening. Hollister, have you already seen Ex Machina? Uh,
0: no. Uh, not only have I not seen it, but it's interesting that he's saying that the movie tells you exactly how it feels to be a woman if he's a man. Is your friend Eddie like Eddie as in the basketball with Whoopi Goldberg, Eddie? or? <laughs>
1: so I'm going to have to check it out because it has been a great year for Alicia Vikander, who starred in Ex Machina and, of course, won the Oscar for The Danish Girl.
0: So let's get on to the network shows of the week that we're going to be talking about. And we for sure have to start with Shonda Rhimes and The Catch, which just started for the first time uh, last
1: week. On ABC. LA's top PI is in hot
0: pursuit of a world-class con man. There's only one catch. I'm sorry, babe. I'm sure you're closer than you think. He's the love of her life. Honey, please, let me see
1: he's gone christopher is gone he took my entire life savings you took everything
0: everything on a play let's play all right now before we even get to what any either one of us thinks i have the most respect for shonda rhimes i think her work is unbelievably interesting. I think she's a woman who juggles so many balls in the air, I don't know how she does it. I think the writing and the production and direction and everything around Grey's Anatomy is one of the top serial shows ever. But I don't think the other shows sit at that level, and I certainly... Don't think the catch does. What say you?
1: Well, this is the sixth collaboration for executive producers Betsy Beers and Shonda Rhymes. And much like Scandal, I think the catch could be my new guilty pleasure.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> You know, first of all, you're supposed to be the smart one
1: between us, and why would you consider this to be your guilt? Really? Come on. I do. For anyone who's ever enjoyed the Thomas Crown Affair, I think you should Uh. give the catch a shot. It's the same storyline, the complete cat and mouse romance. P.I.s and law enforcement chasing a con artist, even down to the stolen paintings. It is the retelling okay. of the Thomas Crown Affair.
0: I will totally give you that, but you can't watch the Thomas Crown Affair for seven years once a week. I
1: Well, mean, you know what? I'm not aiming to have the catch last as long as Grey's Anatomy, which I have to confess, I stopped watching when the plane crash happened. No,
0: you're right. You know what? Grey's Anatomy, by the way, should be closed down and a new hospital should open oh. somewhere else, but... <laughs> I mean, I get that. I get that. But I just don't see this as a series that's going to keep me on the edge of my seat, you know, for the next couple of years. I just don't.
1: But I could watch until it throws me off my seat.
0: Okay. Um, you, you know, I mean, do you love the like scenery and the where it's taking place? I mean, what is it that's making you say it could be your new...
1: Every now and then, I just like a glossy, slick show. This is filled with good-looking people, and it has interesting editing transitions with wipes and mirrored wipes and split screens and the pop music. It's like Shonda Rhimes decided to do Miami Vice.
0: Okay, but when I think of a series, uh, you know, if I'm going to sit down and watch anything, and we know I binge watch, which makes it even more important to me, I want to know that it's either going to engage me, educate me, or entertain me in a big way. I you know I can see the the value of the West Wing. I many lessons in the West Wing. Many lessons in Gilmore Girls about relationships and love and family. Many lessons in Homeland. And I don't get I think this is a waste of time. So other than to look at how the rich and famous live like that show which whose name of course you will remember something about what is it, the one I'm talking about? I know about? you're
1: going to say Mozart in the jungle, but I, I think am. that shows a much wider swath of economic strata. I really do. Yeah, Here, but one you're of right. The it's reason, just beautiful apartments and beautiful clothes and beautiful people. But
0: this, it's just sort of like, okay, you're, you, you even use the word glossy. It's a glossy look at, at people who, you know, I, I just think they're ridiculous. And also, even the premise of it, you know, she's one of the best People, you know, security people ever, but she gets totally scammed by somebody who's not even a real person? Come on.
1: Well, I think that can happen in real life where you can be blinded by your love interest. I think for anyone who's enjoyed scandal, this is so much like it. Replace the gladiators with a PI firm. Replace Carrie Washington with Marae Enos. Replace Tony Goldwyn with Peter Krause. <laughs> and Peter well Krause's yeah. female co conspirator with First Lady Melly. Add pop music and stir. And voila, you have the new Shondaland creation.
0: Well, and and I think of Scandal the same way. I don't know the redeeming value of Scandal. And I think, by the way, I think TV should have redeeming value. I do.
1: Well, I think this is an entertaining little frothy guilty pleasure, and I was amazed, though, to discover that it was actually created by the British novelist Kate Atkinson, who Queen Elizabeth has knighted or made that member of the British Empire. She's the one that has written some books I've thoroughly enjoyed, the Jackson Brody series, which the BBC turned into the Case Histories miniseries. Um, She wrote Life After Life, which is about to become a movie. Her books always have great titles like When Will There Be Good News and Started Early, Took My Dog. And she's the person that came up with this show, The Catch. Uh, How does that relate then to the redeeming value of it? I never thought that British novelist Kate Atkinson would all of a sudden be in the Shondaland Laboratory popping out a Thomas Crown lookalike.
0: Well, Shonda Ryan by the way has a great ability to surround herself with people as talented or more talented as, as herself. Beers amazing talent. I forget the woman is who is who started bringing the music to Grey's. The music in Grey's helped make Grey's what it is. The mood of the song augments the storyline of a Grey's episode. She is a genius at mixing music with uh, the visual of, of a TV show. So I think Shonda Rhimes does surround herself with great people. So maybe picking this woman to hook up with was not a st- not not a stupid move.
1: And I think Mireille Eno so far is really pulling off the role. I love the clothes. I think her character is like a mashup between Connie Britton and Kalinda from The Good Wife.
0: Okay, I'll give you that. I'll give you that, but I will also say that I venture to guess, and we spend a lot of time together. I actually spend as much time with you as anybody else in my life, to tell you the truth. But <laughs> I'll bet you in the next six months, you never say to me, "Oh my God, did you watch The Catch last week?" I bet you you never say that well, to me. I'm not now you sure can't say. I'm it.
1: saying that now. I'm just saying it's kind of a fun guilty pleasure to have.
0: Okay, and I think it'll be short-lived. I think you know it's sort of like your favorite restaurant. There's two things. There's the favorite restaurant you go to for twenty years. And then there's the favorite restaurant you go to for a season and then you're done with it. And I think it's that. I think it's the fir- the latter.
1: Well, I find that I'm not sticking with TV shows as long these days anyway because... All the networks and the non-networks keep offering us more and more original programming each season. So I often don't return to shows that I have enjoyed just because there's always the latest, greatest, newest thing out there.
0: Well, it does remind me of the of the 70s in high school when there were three sh- – you know, I watched TV three times in a week because there were only three shows that had any interest to me. I mean, there were three choices, and there were a few shows – that each person in America watched a few times a week. You know, it was not like it is now, where you have a plethora or a mountains of choices. So I think
1: that's true. I think it's harder to stand out now, too. You don't love watching this to see how Murray Enos like Kalinda? They both know how to smash no. through the front window of a vehicle no. while wearing heels. And oh, oh no. <laughs> okay, well that knocks off the first of our three <laughs> network shows. Yeah. Why
0: would a con artist target a private investigator? You know, I-
1: I stayed one step ahead of us the whole time christopher is mr x i'll find him
0: come on isn't she juggling four shows now a week is that what she's juggling
1: well let's see of the six that betsy beers and shonda rhimes have worked on together gray's anatomy four are still on so gray's anatomy scandal how to get away with murder and now the catch That is quite a plate.
0: That's a lot of programming. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't listened to her TED Talk, I want to certainly end with this for her. She did a TED Talk, and she talks, by the way, very um, forcefully about how she's a powerhouse. And she goes through, you know, I do four shows on network TV that touch 40 million people, which cost $200 million a month. I mean, you know, she runs out the numbers for you, and she says, look, I'm a force. You know, she owns her power. But more power to her that she brought another, and I think it's probably going to do okay. It's certainly going to get renewed, I would think, right? Uh, You know, you go, Shonda, you go. And
1: that's why she has a whole land named after her.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's move right along now to the next two we're going to talk about. One is The Real O'Neills, which uh, Alan from New York City asked us to take a look at. And he's a millennial, I want to say that out out of the start. And the second one is Crowded. And they do sort of go together in terms of two shows Uh, sitcoms that are on, you know, weekly half hour shows, you know, what anything you want to start off with on that?
1: Well, I'm curious, what is the last sitcom that you've watched as faithfully as you watched Grey's or The West Wing?
0: The Big Bang Theory. And I haven't watched it in a year or two. Okay.
1: The last one I watched faithfully is probably Seinfeld. So just to in the spirit of full disclosure, I can't say I'm a sitcom addict and I don't understand the appeal of the most popular ones, like two and a half
0: men. Well, and I lot watched Modern Family for a while. Mm-hmm. So if if modern if I had an extra half hour and nothing that was grabbing me, I'd I'd turn on a, a Modern Family. But it was so it's so formulaic that it's almost too formulaic. So the so the punchlines, while they're funny, after a while you can't even hear them anymore because it's just, you know it's the same punchline with different words that you heard the heard the week
1: before. I think ABC was looking for something new to fill the shoes of Modern Family, which won't be on the air forever. Right, which is the real O'Neills.
0: Your typical Irish Catholic family. Where father knows best. Is that where skinny jeans? Hey, can I get that for you? Yes, please. Mother knows more. You know it's even brighter than those sparklers? The light of Christ. But nobody
1: knows this.
0: We're getting a divorce. I'm anorexic. I'm gay. What
1: is happening here? I think Kenny said he's gay, and it also sounds like you're getting a divorce. Do you want this open or closed?
0: Something that you said I think is really interesting, and that is that you know, the last thing you watched was Seinfeld. And one of the things that I heard and read recently is that when you do a show on network TV what happens is the power of the show is not necessarily designated to the person who brought the show in and the creator of the show and the writers of the show on network TV the hierarchy of network TV gets very involved they'll they'll change the the directors they'll change the writers they will change the writers not the director and the and the creator they're not doing that mm-hmm. and what happens is a lot of really great creative people say they don't want to do a network TV show and who is the show that we Talked about a couple, you know, yes. a while ago. Darren
1: Starr with Younger, and that's why he went yep. with TV Land instead of one of he the wanted, networks.
0: He, he wanted total control. Mm-hmm. And if you look at it, what's interesting that you just said about Seinfeld is Seinfeld had total control over his show. Nobody. Um, other than his producer and director. I mean, the show had the power. The network stayed out of the show. It was so successful, they couldn't get into the show. And And isn't it interesting that that's the last... I would agree with you. It's a great, great show. And certainly, I don't hold Modern Family or the Big Bang Theory at the same level as Seinfeld. And isn't it interesting that when you give creative power to the people creating it, it really does turn out to be better?
1: Although what's also interesting is that Seinfeld was such a different era. I did not watch that one right out of the box. That was really a the <laughs> slow burn in terms of increased ratings but back then networks had more patience and they gave it more time and it became a mega hit but if it faced uh-huh. today's competition where you have to knock it out of the park in the pilot Seinfeld would have been canceled after a couple episodes
0: you know so i think you're right i think it's uh it's interesting but i also think that network tv the management and the hierarchy at these networks needs to they need to stay out of these shows
1: well i also think it's an interesting genesis of the real O'Neill's, that it's loosely based on the real life of the writer and LGBT activist Dan Savage, who along with his husband started the It Gets Better project, which is a campaign to reach out to gay teens who are at huh. risk of suicide?
0: All right, I love Martha Plimpton, lover, lover, her, lover. Her. She is you know, definitely I think she's the great.
1: strength of the show. Right, Martha Plimpton, of course, who had a great comedic turn on *The Good Wife*.
0: You know, I don't think Martha Plimpton is the strongest appeal in terms of characters or in terms of acting on it. I actually think that the the standout character in it is um, Kenny, okay. played by Noah. And I think his nuance and line delivery and his facial expressions, God, I think he's good.
1: I think Martha Plimpton is the strongest. And it's a tough character to play because she has to play the homophobic mother.
0: Well, more than homophobic, you know, the, she's totally, you know, she's trying, you know, for those of you who haven't seen it, you know, it's she wants to be the perfect Catholic family that the com- community, you know, reveres. And unfortunately, every single member of the family, you know, is got their own issue whatever going on and every single episode there's going to be a crisis that some member of the family goes through but in the end they're all still a family yada 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 and so Martha is the center focal point of of running around like a crazy person trying to have this perfect family that doesn't exist
1: for anybody in the world let alone them and yet you definitely feel the love she has for her family I think she does a tremendous Uh, job
0: well you know when I look at that kind of love that's portrayed that way I sometimes wonder if if there's the love of the family or the the love of, of the of the what the family brings to them, you know, sort of um, as a as an as an adjunct to themselves, or she certainly doesn't want independent thinkers who don't do what she says.
1: And yet, each of her kids is completely different from the next, and yet she supports their interests. From what I've seen in the first two Well, she two doesn't episodes, support their anyway. interest. She
0: tries to change... No, but she does. She tries
1: to change... When the daughter well, submits her project to the science fair, she's there for the science fair. When her oldest son is into sports, she's into sports.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, but what I'm saying by really supporting
1: somebody would not be trying to change a gay kid into a straight kid. And, but even the little uh, lecture she gives to um, the school administrator who wants to dismiss her school's science fair project, and yet that speech could be completely... Um, parallel to what she wants to say to her son. Yeah. It's, you know... Um, what I think is interesting is how this show tiptoes that humorous line between what's funny and what's off-limits. And I'm wondering yeah. how they're going to be able to maintain that. It goes too
0: far. You know, these things are not funny, you know.
1: Well, especially when you're um, talking about things like anorexia.
0: Yeah, not funny. Um, not funny, you know. Uh, bullying, not funny. So... At the same time of the two, of Crowded and The Real O'Neill's, and I guess we'll talk about Crowded next, but The Real O'Neill's, if, if, you, if you sat me down and said, okay, you have to watch something, I would watch The Real O'Neill's over pretty much a lot of what else is on there in terms of half-hour sitcoms, wouldn't you
1: agree? I don't know. That would be a toss-up for me. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see how it progresses.
0: I'm not going to stick around to find out, are you?
1: Well, as I said, I haven't really seen a sitcom since Seinfeld, so I'm probably going to be yeah. over watching The Catch. Well, who knows? You know, the person
0: who recommended it, Alan, is a very, very savvy millennial from New York City who is very, very, very into culture, you know, his own the lifestyle of his generation, et cetera, who knows, maybe this will be the new Seinfeld for that generation. I think who knows? it is
1: really connecting with younger audiences. Yeah. And this is my bit of trivia on The Real O'Neills. Martha Plimpton, do you know who her father is? He's an actor on one of your favorite shows. What show? Madam Secretary. I have no idea. Her father is Keith Carradine, who plays the president.
0: And good for her for not playing off that so much. Good for her.
1: You know, she's a very strong actor in her own right. So first of all, she was also on Grey's, and I thought she did a
0: great job on Grey's, where she played a mother whose son was sick, and everybody kept telling her the
1: son was fine and it was growing pains, but it clearly wasn't. And I saw her play a female pope on Broadway back in 2008 in Top Girls. She's very good at playing characters with backbone.
0: She was in, again, one of my favorite movies, Running on Empty. Did you see it? 1988.
1: It was River Phoenix was great,
0: and Judd Hirsch, great cast and a great movie. And she was very, very good in it. She was very young and very good.
1: Definitely a talent.
0: Now, Crowded. Okay, I I can't say enough terrible about (laughs) Crowded.
1: Well, I'll tell you why I was so curious. This is another The Good Wife connection. I loved Carrie Preston in her Emmy-winning turn as Elsbeth Tassioni on The Good Wife. So I was, I was actually very excited to watch *Crowded*.
0: It's happening all around America. Maybe even in your own home.
1: I'm moving back home. What? But I told you I was coming here today to move back home. What? They're here to stay. They're back. It looks like you need us again. They're all back. It's a. F- Disaster, and it also stars. (laughs) All right, how excited are you now? It also stars Patrick Warburton, who was Putty on Seinfeld, so I I could actually recognize someone from the sitcom world.
0: Okay, bring out that Mean Girl in you. I know it's in there somewhere. Now that you've watched it, how do you
1: feel about all those great (laughs) people being in it? Well, I just want to start with a positive note. (laughs) I also really liked the conceit of the show, um, that there's been this massive sociological shift in how kids are raised in America. And as the late, great Nora Ephron once said, all the trouble started when parenting became a verb.
0: (laughs) The premise of kids coming back to live at home after college is actually happening, and the idea of it... And the potential of it, I think, is one of the most disappointing parts about this show. But I'm going to ask you one more time, now that you've seen Crowded, how do you feel about the great cast, the great premise? How do you feel about I all that? I think
1: this is why I don't generally watch sitcoms. I feel like they all take place <laughs> in the same house. I was oh like, God. isn't this the same? Did, did Reba sell them this house? Okay,
0: now you know where you saw that house before, right? It, do you know where? It
1: wasn't Reba or The Cosby Show or Roseanne. No, nope, keep
0: going, keep going. Roseanne, that was it. You okay. got. It.
1: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Uh, That is the same kitchen as Roseanne, where you have the stairway coming down into the kitchen. Same one, same one, same one. And you know what? I never noticed this until German friends started asking me why American sitcoms have these laugh tracks. I had never noticed it before. And once they pointed it out on this show, I just kept hearing the canned laughter where it wasn't even a live studio audience. It was the same (sighs) laugh Foley sound.
0: Well, there's a psychology behind the canned laughter. And that is that when people hear laughter after they start laughing. So A, it's a tip-off for you to start laughing, and it does help make things funnier. What's interesting is that you noticed it more in Crowded because... You can't just stick hand laughter in things that aren't no. funny.
1: And as my <laughs> German friends would say, if it's really funny, you don't need it. People will just laugh yeah. on their own.
0: Well, yeah, you know, we Americans always like a, a leg up. Do you know what I mean? True. Uh, you know, funny, when you ride horses in England, if you ride in the hunt in England or whatever, they mount from the ground. In America, we have steps. We climb up two steps and you help yourself out. You know, like we. this is the, the lab, the canned laughter in American TV is a leg up. So it
1: is. And yet again, Two and a Half Men, did you ever see that show? Does it have it?
0: You know what? I watched it. I think I watched 10 minutes once and another 20 minutes another time. How about two and
1: a half minutes? I don't minutes. think he's a good...
0: Yeah, I, not only do I... I just... I didn't get it. I didn't get it. You know... I really didn't. And he was paid a lot. Wasn't he the highest paid guy in sitcoms? I think, I think he I was. I think that's
1: true. You know, I do have to say crowded, they did assemble a fabulous team when you look at the people behind it. It was created by Suzanne Martin, who did Hot in Cleveland and wrote for Frasier. Sean Hayes is an executive producer, of course, from Will and Grace, and Stacy Keach is in it, who many considered at one point to be the greatest living American actor. No
0: actor can be a great actor with a great without a great line and I just don't think the writing is in there to for any actor to come in and look fabulous. I mean, it just isn't there. So without great writing, I don't think you can be, I don't think you can do it. And
1: yet there are some lines that I really thought were funny. For example, when Putty, the father says, why do we buy free range chicken? How free are they? It's not like they let them walk into town. I thought that was funny some of the lines i'm sure if i read the script i would think no that's a funny line
0: you know what's funny about that line though is i can't imagine the segue in and out of that line that would fit into any of the conversations that took place in the first two episodes so a funny line without a lead in and a lead out it, it really it doesn't work as well like uh it just doesn't and you know all in the family, we have to look back at the first sitcom that took very, you know, we're looking at the real O'Neill's and Crowded, where they're talking about some pretty tough issues that are not necessarily, you know, dinner table conversation kind of thing. All in the family was the first time that, that they started to show on television um, racism and points of view that were totally not okay. And they made fun of the ignorance around him in, Um, all in the family. And that was one of the things that helped people to, uh, to change their opinions actually was all in the family because you could do it with some laughter and the absurdity of his point of view became very clear on the screen.
1: See, I I, I never found all in the family funny. I found Archie Bunker just way too mean. Yeah, see, I didn't find him mean. I found him ill-informed. I felt like he psychologically abused Edith, always screaming at her and poor Rob Reiner as his son-in-law. I certainly would not want to spend any time in his household.
0: Yeah, in, in some cultures, raised voices in the house is not a sign of abuse. It's just the way people talk to each other. And in that back in that day, that, that was the way, you know, his yelling. If you had said to him, by the way, you're yelling. He would have said, what are you talking about? I'm just telling her how I fit, you know, but at any rate, I
1: would have much preferred to live with Bob Newhart or Laverne and Shirley or happy days, any of those shows, but not Archie Bunker. Well,
0: anybody who listens to our podcast would say that they would think that that you would think that, but, (laughs) but I like that edge. I like that, that pushing the envelope edge to it. And so these shows have the potential to be all in the family or to be Seinfeld that pushed the envelope in a different way. You know, he took points of view that everybody was thinking, and he said them out loud, and he brought neurosis. uh, He brought humor into neurosis and New York humor into I mean, he just did a lot of door opening. And both the premises for the O'Neills and for Crowded have the ability to do that, but I don't think they do.
1: See, that's not even what I was looking for from them. I just wanted them to be funny there were some enjoyable moments but in crowded i do have to give them this they reached an amazing milestone the show is directed by james burroughs who did will and grace Frasier, cheers and while directing crowded he directed his one thousandth sitcom episode how many directors can claim that achievement he's won 10 emmys
0: perhaps it's time then for him to retire I On don't the other think hand, so. I
1: enjoy this a lot more than Two and a Half Men. I'm curious to see how it'll do in the ratings. Yeah, I don't know. Interesting, right? I don't know that the setup for Crowded is sustainable to produce that many episodes. because oh, I, well, I totally big, agree. You know, the big joke is when the daughters say to the parents, get a room, and they say, we have a room, you get a house. We've already seen them all be crowded under the same roof. I'm not sure that's enough for me to want to tune in each week.
0: Well, it's funny because I, go, I have to go back to All in the Family again. All in the Family, part of the major foundation of the premise, and it ran for, I think, eight seasons, was that they had to live with Archie and Edith Um, his daughter and son-in-law, they had to live with Archie and Edith because they couldn't afford to live out on their own. And Meathead and, um,
1: there you go, I think that's kind of mean. Sally Struthers.
0: And that was part of the tension that took place in every single episode, and it lasted for eight seasons. So the tension between being crowded into a home where they thought the kids had left the nest. I think it could sustain multiple seasons, but you'd have to have better writing and you'd have to have a better, uh, you know, a better s- s- sense of where, where it was going and what it was going on.
1: Since you move back in, maybe we're spending too much time together. That's because we're broke.
0: I wonder if that's related in any way at all to not having jobs. <laughs>
1: Most sitcoms only have a very limited number of locations. So if you look at Friends, it's really just the two apartments across the hall from each other. If you look at Cheers, it's just the bar. If you look at Frasier, it's room. just the radio all the family station. family is one room. So right. it's definitely, it's plugging in all the elements in the sitcom formula. But either the genre now just strikes me as tired or the premise was not enough for me. Right. On April 8th, another comedy is returning to us in season two on Amazon Prime, and that is Catastrophe, and I'm really looking forward to that.
0: I know. You love that, and I loved it, too. I didn't love it as much as you did, but I loved it. We'll talk to you all next week. Thanks for listening.
1: I'm going to sneak off and watch another episode of The Catch.
0: Seriously.